0: I invite you to open up to the passage that Paul read for us earlier. John chapter one. When I was in college and I was having discussions with other students about their about faith and religion and uh, what's really true, there was a popular analogy that people like to give, and you can think of it in backdrop of that poem that we just read. The analogy went like this. Life is like a mountain and God is at the top and we're all at the bottom and all of the world religions are trying in various ways to reach the top. And they're all unique paths, so they seem different from each other, but they're all really equally valid because they're all just Uh, different ways to get to the top of the same mountain, different paths up the mountain. To which the obvious answer was, if we're at the bottom and God's at the top, how can we say with any certainty that all the paths successfully make it to the top? You see, the problem with with that analogy and the problem with all religions, including the religion of Christianity in general, the problem is they assume that it's our job to get up to the top, to get up to God. That it's our responsibility to forge a path up to the divine. But what we're celebrating this morning as we come now to our Christmas service, It's that God actually came down to us. We're not here this morning because we are following a path, seeking to find our way up to God. No, we're here this morning because of the good news that God has come down to us. That's what we need to see in the scripture we read this morning in in John 1. Verse 11. He came to that which was his own. God came. God came down. John, an early follower of Jesus whom the Holy Spirit inspired to pen these words, begins his telling of the story of Jesus by taking us all the way back. To where it all began when God first created the world. And John begins his story with the same words that begin the biblical story. The story of creation in the beginning. And the point of of the opening verses of the passage we're looking at this morning. Is that the one who came down is the one who created the world who created everything, who started it all and brought it into being. John calls this one the word. In the beginning was the word. And then John immediately plunges us into a mystery. We don't have time to unravel it all this morning, but we need to just note it so that this passage makes sense. And that mystery is that this word is both distinct from God, and also this word is God. John writes, and the word was with God, and the word was God. With God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Here we're reminded that when God brought everything into being, how did God do it? By God's word, God spoke, and it was so. God used words, and God was the word. Mind-blowing, I know. I don't understand it. But trying to track with what John is, is uh, trying to tell us, let me ask you, what did God speak first? If you go back to the very beginning of the biblical story. On the first day of creation, God spoke into the world of darkness and said, let there be light. And so John reflects in verse 4, in him, in the word, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And then skipping to verse 9, to the eve of the moment we celebrate at Christmas, when God arrived, when God came down, we have the amazing news, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. God, who spoke and brought light into darkness and brought everything into being, God, who was exalted over all, an infinitely brilliant mind, knowing how to knit every atom into place, how to tune each law of physics so all things would hold together, how to design molecular machinery of cells so that they would live and reproduce, that God was coming down into the world God had made. Wow. God came down to be a part of the creation God had spoken into being. God came, verse 11, to that which was his own. God came down to us. Do you realize how incredible that is? A number of years ago, I lived in a a large city, and I attended a church that had two pastors. And they were very different from each other. And one of the differences between the two was this. When I would get together with either of them, one of the pastors would always ask me to come to him. The, The church didn't have an office, so I needed to go to his home And he lived on the far edge of the city on the other side of the church from where I lived in a fairly exclusive part of town, and I didn't have a car. So I had to take public transportation, and this involved two subway lines and at least one bus, maybe two, I don't remember. What I do remember is it took me well over an hour each way to get to his house. Meanwhile, he had a car and could have gotten to me depending on traffic in 20 to 30 minutes but he never offered even to meet me halfway. He always asked me to come to him. Contrast that with the other pastor, who interestingly did not have a car, but when we got together, he almost always offered to come to me. He'd get on the subway, he'd ride to me, he'd meet me at my apartment or a cafe of my choosing, and we'd spend time together. What a contrast. And guess what? That second pastor, his heart, his character, that's what God is like. Even though God created everything by God's word, and God dwells in heaven in unapproachable light, nevertheless, God came down to us. Verse 14, the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. Because at Christmas time, we see something like never before of what God is like. That God is willing to come down, to come all the way down to us into the muck and mire, into the trouble and toil into the boring, ordinary, and sometimes harried and hassled lives that we live. God came down to us. What great news! Now imagine this. Imagine you're a kid, and you ask your parents if you can go over to your friend's house. And your parents say yes, so you go to your friend, and you and your friend start roaming their neighborhood. Maybe you go to uh, get a soda at a local shop or to play in a nearby stream or you go to a local park to hang out. And then as you're out there with your friend, something bad happens and you're really upset. Maybe you're hurt. And you text your parents, mom, dad, please pick me up. I want to come home now. What are your parents going to have to ask you in order to come to you? Where are you, right? Where are you? So let me ask you that question. Where are you? If God is going to come down to you this morning, today, during this Christmas season, Where can God find you? Where are you? Are you distracted? Are you confused? Are you feeling guilty or ashamed or unworthy? Are you feeling doubtful? Are you feeling confused? Are you feeling weak and unable? Where are you? Here's the good news. God doesn't just show up at polite, respectable addresses, spiritually speaking, in the good part of town. No, God will come to you anywhere. Just read the Christmas story. God just doesn't come for the worthy. In fact, they probably don't know they need God. God doesn't just come for the together. God doesn't just come for the presentable or put together. No, if if God wants or wanted to be in such company, God could have just stayed in heaven and enjoyed the angels. No, God came down. God comes down for people like you and me. Imagine with me now a young woman or young man meeting a young woman. The young man meets this woman and starts falling in love. She's so fun. She's smart. She's sweet. She's pretty. But he hasn't told her yet of his affections. He's working up the courage, and he sometimes thinks she might kind of like him back too, but he's really not too sure yet. Well, one time she and her friend go on a hike, and it just so happens he's with a friend on the same trail too, but a ways behind. Well, as as the young women walk the trail, there's, there's a place on a steep hillside that's narrow, that's gotten slippery from a recent rain, and she and her friend slip. And before they even know it, they're sliding and they're tumbling down the slick hillside over rocks, mud, branches. And by the time they slam into a tree and stop, they're halfway down. They're bruised up. They're hurt. She's got a broken ankle. Her friend has a badly injured elbow. They're shaken. They're hurting. In their condition, they're not sure how they're going to get back up the steep bank to the trail. It's a struggle just to untangle themselves. They try, but they can barely walk. The other can't offer much help. And in the seriousness of their situation, as it sinks in and they try to think what to do, and they're throbbing in pain, they start to cry. At that very moment, who's above with his friend but our hero? They hear the cry. They carefully begin descending to investigate. And when the young man arrives, his heart gives a lurch as he sees who it is that's in distress. He quickly sweeps her up in his arms. He's a big, strong dude. And his friend does the same for the other young lady. And carefully, they start to climb back up to the trail. And what does the young lady say to him? as she calms down and she relaxes in relief into his arms. She's grateful. She's relieved. She's also a little embarrassed. And in her nervousness, she starts apologizing for the way she looks. Her matted hair with leaves and twigs in it. Her bruised skin. The blood on her pretty blouse. Mud smears and tears on her jeans her running mascara, and her snotty nose. But, but here's the point of the story, and I apologize for the shameless male-female stereotypes, but bear with me. Do you think at that moment, our hero cares at all how she looks? He's come to save her the one he's growing to love, and there's nowhere he'd rather be anywhere in the world right there than with that grimy, unpresentable young woman. Folks, that's a lot of how God feels about us when God comes down to us. When God God comes down to us right where we are, God's not looking at the condition we're in. God is just so glad to be there, to be with us, and to be there for us. And God invites us to receive his help and to put our trust in him. Verse 12, yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. That's the good news of Christmas. God came down to us. And God's motivation in coming is not about how he finds us. It's got nothing to do with how presentable we are or how worthy we are. Or how we've been behaving or not behaving. It's about God come down in love to save us. To be with us. To be among us. To be for us. And if we receive it. If we receive Jesus Christ who came down. He will change us forever. Forever. We will become children of God, part of God's own family. And yes, Jesus will help us to get mended and healed and cleaned up. That will all come in due time. And we don't have to do it on our own because we're in a family now, a family of love and grace. So, where are you? Are you ready to receive the God? who has come down for you, for me, for us. John is going to lead us in prayer.